This is Bigger on the Inside. What kind of stupid name is that? Hello, Hello everybody, everybody, and welcome whoa, back. Whoa, whoa, who's starting this? I'm, I don't know, I thought... Oh, gee, oh yeah, you're the, you're the starting guy now, aren't you? I Sorry. Am. You ready? I had a tinge of nostalgia for the days of yore. You, you ready? I'll start again. Hello, okay. everybody, welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, a podcast on the internet where two blokes talk about bits and bobs. Um, my name's Tim Saxby, and with me, as always, is the one and only Mr. Harrison Tinley. How are you doing, Harrison? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Um... All grand cheers, thank you. Yeah, like you know, wait, how two of us today? How, so, how long is mate? I can't wait. What about what? How long is <laughs> hi, Harry? How are you? I'm all right. Is are we doing a we're doing a three way podcast? All three of us are here. No, sir. All three. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> my goodness. I, I don't know. Is this allowed? This feels illegal. <laughs> the crossover of the century has finally happened. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> okay, so before my brain melts, shall we get into this? Um, yeah, quick explanation. This I'm Tim. Um, for that, maybe this is your first time listening. Basically, there's three people who are involved in Bigger on the Inside. Myself, Harrison Tinley, who sat to my left, and Harry Murdoch, who's joining us by Zoom. And it's normally me and Harry who do the podcast. Harrison steps in when Harry's not available. But uh, it seemed fun to surprise Harry with all three of us for a change. And what a lovely surprise it was. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry, do, do, you, do you want to start with the news, Harry? Yeah, first off, we just got some uh, Doctor Who stuff to catch ourselves up on since uh, the last time. Uh, firstly, uh, Neil Patrick Harris has joined the cast of the 60th anniversary playing uh, a Dapper Man. <laughs> yeah, he looks like um, Fred Astaire. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, he is. First there with very morbid makeup. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I think it's the the press photo they released. He was an old man. Yeah, but then on set, he's wearing this kind of age makeup, and he's in like that, like you said, a Fred Astaire kit. And this is jumping forward a bit, but we've seen him filming in Bristol. He's kind of all dancing around, all showy and stuff. And we're seeing like posters for a circus. So exactly what the nature of this character is, is being left deliberately very ambiguous. Other than Russell T. Davis, of course, saying he is the deadliest foe the Doctor has ever faced. Ooh. Mm. What do you think, Harrison? I think it's interesting. I think everyone on the internet is saying um, it's the um, the toy maker, um, who's a classic Who mm. villain. Or, like, I believe it's, like, some kind of time lord if he's like if he's not aged or can age or the Valyard perhaps. Oh yeah, I never even thought of that. You really called it the Valyard. Or you know the um a dream lord that was the Toby Jones. Have you got a dog? Oh no, uh my neighbor's dog is barking <laughs> up a storm. Hey nine um <laughs> no way it's the tin dog. No, I'm the tin dog. Who do you who do you think he is, Harry? I don't know, because from kind of speaking to my classic Who friends, of which there are two, um, and not including you, Harrison, who, of course, is a friend. Because you're not oh, a friend. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I was going to say, I was holding it in there. Thanks, you're man. Not, you're not a friend. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, but yeah, but I, I have two friends who I've chatted to about this outside the podcast, and they both seem to think it's the toy maker. The one thing that's making me uncertain of that is that the post which teased uh, um, Neil's casting um was one of those kind of emoji ones that russell is such a fan of which were it had a diamond which of course denotes the 60th but then two hearts which to me means time lord so because of that i'm inclined to believe whatever character neil is playing is likely a time lord but and i don't think the celestial do... toy maker is a time lord didn't they do the same though for um for the actress's name is it yasmin finney yasmin finney yeah. Well, yeah, there was a rose, and but what, I thought it was the blue box. There was a rose in the blue box. I think it, it. I think it's two love hearts, a plus, and then a an emoji to denote that character. Okay, so did the two hearts just mean they're gonna be in Doctor Who? Is I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is it sixteen? All right, in which case, saw the celestial toy maker as well. I mean, I know he was in Hartnell's era. He's he's mm. only. Made an appearance in Hartnell's era. He's had an audio appearance in <laughs> Colin's era, yeah. but uh, <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah, like he's only had one T if he like actual appearance, and it's yeah. What so is, that? is that series one? I think it was like series yeah. four. Or I'm just three, looking, I'm just looking for my phone, yeah. so I'm gonna Google it. So. Gonna yeah. find yeah. it. I believe because yeah, no I have a little fun tip bit about the Cecil Toy Maker because I I believe whenever he appeared, it was the last series that Hartnell did. Yeah. Um, because one of the original plans was was that instead of the Doctor regenerating, they were going to have it the Celestial Toy Maker oh, would really? change the appearance of the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. That was the, one of the original conceived plans. Um, I did not know that. Um, What's that? Yeah. You trying to repeat it, Harry? Yeah. Um. Bef- um. The Celestial Toy Maker in kind of early drafts. I believe was going to be the reason for Hartnell's recast uh, story-wise. So instead of the Doctor regenerating, they're going to have the toy maker just change um, the f- how the Doctor looked. Uh, okay. I yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cool, to be honest. F- first nice. broadcast in 1966. So Okay, so three years in. Is that around, that's around the time that Hartnell generated, stuff. isn't it? Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people have been asking for that character's return for a while, so it's interesting. I've definitely heard of him before this, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I've, I've, yeah, I've heard of him before this. So I know nothing of him. That obviously means we have to watch another god awful yeah. <laughs> episode. Yeah, and he was also um, referenced in um, "Can You Hear Me?" You know those other oh, is gods. It? Yeah, he was name dropped, uh, so he's out there. But I think that's like. Uh, the main theory that's out at the moment that he is the toy maker. Yeah, because there's also that toy shop that he's working outside of. Oh yeah, Mr. Mr. Engorium, I think it's called. Oh yeah. Oh, Mr. And Emporium. that could. I mean, I could mean something, or I could mean nothing, because obviously, um, we saw when they were shooting in um, Camden, they were shooting outside that. Cyber bar but, thing. No, no, this, this and that was could built. just be a... This was a built set. That oh, was this like a built set? Oh, okay. It wasn't just it's where they chose to shoot. Yeah. Right, okay. Interesting. Interesting. The crimson. That could mean something. You want Harry? I'm just going to say it could mean something, it could mean nothing. Uh, yeah. A very 
yeah. Do you want to do the next bit sure of news? Um, yeah, we've kind of covered the Bristol stuff because uh, that's in with Neil. So moving on, we have um, that uh, we're returning to yet again beep the meep. <laughs> oh, I heard about this earlier today. <laughs> Yeah, um, Beat the Meep, I don't know, I can't tell to what extent Beat the Meep has been confirmed. Um, I think he's been confirmed to be in the 60th all but officially. Um, but Beat the Meep is a character who kind of looks like a cute little rabbit, uh, kind of just says Meep Meep, but is also actually a very deadly villain, as deadly as characters such as the Cybermen, apparently. Um I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I've seen like I'm looking here at Beat the Meep and it's got like these alien creatures around it that look exactly like the bug creatures that we saw on set. Yeah. Huh. So I think it because... is, I would be I, I think it's quite interesting. I keep hearing rumors as well that Russell's leaning into stuff like the comics and Oh, I hope so. From, and also from what we've heard, the way he's spoken about Marvel and how Doctor Who should be more Marvel y. Borrowing mm. from expanded media, what what a great thing to do! Yeah, the thing the thing that makes me really interested about Beep the Meep is that um, I've been told by a friend. I'm not sure which comic this occurs in, but apparently there is a comic in which Beep the Meep has the power to cause the Doctor to degenerate. So I think it was like a Ooh. Tom Baker story which caused the Doctor to degenerate into. Uh, Pertwee, Troughton, and Hartnell. So if that is the case, and they're carrying that over into this, and this is in fact beat the meep, that could very well be the reason that we are getting um, previous incarnations of the Doctor. You're listening to another podcast. Jesus wept. Another one? Every arsehole's got one these days. Even he got pursued. Go on, what's the next line? Matt Smith had a haircut this week, so that could mean something. <laughs> Yes, I have seen you have sent me that as well. That uh, Matt Smith has been seen walking around with a haircut not dissimilar, actually remarkably similar to the one which he had when he originally played the Eleventh Doctor. Like very similar length and everything. Like like similar to Series Five, big long hair. Uh, Matt Smith. That being said, he also has a bit of stubble, but that could be shaved for shooting if he is uh, shooting. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Harry? Do you think he's returning? Do you think because at the moment we've only been told David's returning, we've seen no other doctors on set, we've seen nothing like that. Yeah, well, I don't know. You, you, why don't you... I should be asking you? You're the one who knows Matt Smith's uh, bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I was holding that in. I was going to bring it up at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how much I can say really, apart from the fact that I, I'm currently working with somebody. I was up. I'm on. I'm working on some. I don't know what I can say. I'm working on something at the moment that involves a security guard whose previous job was to look after Matt Smith yeah. on the Game of Thrones series. I don't know how much I can say about this. I don't know a ton, and you can cut out anything I say. But my side is the job you are doing right now is basically when people are filming on location. You are basically the guy who kind of stands at the edges and stops people from seeing what they're filming. Yeah, I'm that dickhead, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, you're the person who's not letting us get a good look at David Tennant or whatever. 
I, I, I'm the guy who I disliked when Peter Capaldi was filming in Hull several years ago. Because <laughs> they just mm. wouldn't but, let me... And is that is that purely just... Go on. So is the purpose of your job purely to kind of stop plot details whatever from leaking out or is it um, also well, just to make sure like you know the production everything is shot properly without interference from the public so a bit of both like okay so for, for reference for the audience i'm currently for the next two weeks working as a location marshal on a new netflix series which is currently shooting in hull the city where i go to university and shooting starts tomorrow the day of recording it starts tomorrow um, but I've been at work four days before shooting day, making sure sets are protected and looked after and assisting things like the props department and the helping things like that. And also just making sure the public don't come up and take stuff and, you know, just trying to make things easy because there are businesses that we've had to take signs down and repaint, but they're still working. Like there's a hairdresser's, who still have appointments, it's making sure that people still get to their appointments. Basically, one one reason why I, f- I feel like my role, or everybody who has the same role as me on this production is slightly doing more than maybe on another production is because you may remember, Harry, that they had Alerna Herms filming in Hull several months ago mm. and basically yeah. disturbed every local business around there. And I keep getting asked... Is this another Alerna Holmes? When you say no, the relief on people's faces <laughs> is really strange. Because I feel like when the production started on on this project, someone at the moment, um, they were still putting out fires that had been started by Alerna Holmes. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh that, that's just my take. That's not what anyone's told me, but I'm guessing, are you not even like allowed to tell us? Like what the studio is, I mean, what the show I, is. You're I, not allowed to say anything of what it is you're filming. All, all, I, all I'll tell you is what I'm allowed, what I tell the public is, which is if you just go on Google and you Google <laughs> Netflix Hull or Netflix Project Four, you'll find everything that I'm allowed to tell you. Probably a bit more sponsored. Okay, so Netflix Project. We're yeah. allowed to know that much. We're allowed to know it's a Netflix project. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I was deliberately avoiding saying Netflix in case like. I, we weren't supposed to know it was Netflix. Oh, no, I can say it's Netflix. I mean, there's people on set wearing Netflix jackets and stuff like that. Ah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what is cool. You're both like this. Is there is somebody on the crew who I'm working with who has worked on a Marvel project Ooh. and they are okay. walking around wearing one of those Marvel baseball hats that says the project's oh, name sick. on it. Okay. Kevin's hat. Yeah, so like what Kevin Feige wears. Oh, Kevin hat. Walking around with a Marvel (laughs) Secret Invasion baseball hat. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's not even out yet, is it? No. Wait, she worked on Secret... Wait, Marvel making a Secret Invasion show? Yeah, with uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Anyway, Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Um... We have one last bit of Doctor Who news, which is obtained uh, to the writer Grant Morrison. I don't know if we've uh, spoken about him before. Um, I think at one point before Russell was announced, he expressed interest in being an ex-showrunner. He's uh, written for a bunch of comics, including Doctor Who, including um, Batman, Superman, X-Men. And he's written TV shows such as that adaptation of Brave New World and something called Happy, which I must admit I've not heard of. Um, but he's basically recently made this in yeah 
But he's recently in an interview um, talked very much about his involvement with the TV show that he pitched um, a few idea, uh, story ideas to Stephen Moffat uh, around the time that Capaldi was joining for Series 8. While his stories weren't used, elements of them, such as kind of plot ideas and monsters, were used, but none, he's never written a story for the show. But he has said, um, here's the interesting quote. A few years ago, I befriended my personal favourite UK auteur, who also did a few Doctor Who episodes. Following many chats, we ended up with a whole fantasy season of Doctor Who adventures, which can only be described as revolutionary. We have big, mad ideas for the Doctor, the Companions, the Daleks, the Season Arc, the TARDIS, and everything else that are not only fit with canon and are blindingly obvious, but have never been done before. So there does exist what I can only describe as an ultimate Doctor Who pitch, poised to materialise, awaiting the day Russell Davies tires of the Time Lord. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. I feel, I feel like we've spoken about it before when we speak about Paul Cornell, that, and again with Paul Cornell and Stephen Moffat. Yes, well, there are rumours that... Hmm, there are actually rumours that when he says this personal favourite UK auteur, he could be talking about Paul Cornell. Yeah, we don't I know. Hope so because there was stuff that Paul, where Paul pitched stuff to Stephen, and Stephen said no, and then basically did it himself anyway. Hmm. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on the idea that we've not even seen a single episode of Russell's new run, and it's already this guy who's kind of weighing the wings with a friend, potentially Paul Cornell, <laughs> with a whole run idea waiting. I mean, I guess it's nice. And it, I, I even find I have friends who have their own kind of show Bibles for what they would do if yeah. they were showing of Doctor Who. I feel like anyone who is A, a creative and B, a fan of Doctor Who has their own idea of how they do things. I think we, we even did <laughs> So I guess it's only natural. Did we? Yeah, I did that thing where I said I'd said it way, way in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember when we did that. Yeah. yeah. How many views does that get? It, 50? It, 100? <laughs> Those if, are the days. If there was an announcement next week that said Russell T. Davis will write the 60th and Shooty Gatwa's first series and then be an executive producer as the show continues with Grant Morrison and Paul Cornell, I would not be opposed to that. Absolutely not. I actually think that'd be great. If we have Russell as almost like the Kevin Feige of Doctor Who, yeah, yeah. it's like the overarching man, although he's mm. not always going to be like the head of everything, he's going to be like the overseer. Hopefully, that yeah. would be awesome. I think my one reservation is that I adore Russell as a writer. Yeah. And I feel like for him to so quickly and eagerly take on a executive producer role overseeing things, to me, it would feel like almost a waste of his talents as a writer mm. to just be sitting in an office approving other people's scripts. That is a good point, to be fair. Yeah. Cause like he won't be there like in the kind of front lines, you might say, if he is overseer. I would like him to be overseer because mm. like what I really. I love about um, series one through uh, four is the continuity, how there is a clear kind of conti you know, um, uh, continuity in like the Daleks have an arc, the Cybermen have an arc, characters have an arc. 
And it'd just be cool if he was just like, I don't know, like putting the chess pieces into the right places and occasionally opting to write. But yeah, Harry, like, I do hear you, like... I was rather having to write, to be honest. Oh yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather have him there mm. doing his best job. You know, doing what I love mm. him for. But you know, but then we can't forget that when he was on Doctor Who the first time, he was also an executive producer then. Yeah, true. Not for Rosie. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah. And I feel like we can't say that we wouldn't have those overarching stories if he was a purely executive show and role, because if you look at the MCU, you know, they have, you know, Kevin Feige running the show, then loads of kind of different directors and writers on individual projects, and yet they still manage to pretty much pull off this harmonious universe where everything can come together for these big crossover events like Avengers and stuff. Yeah. So it wouldn't be impossible. That being said, I don't know how what scale Russell is thinking, but whether he's thinking, you know, tortured Sarah Dane, Doctor Who, that kind of scale or beyond. Um, and I don't know how, what he's like, if he has a five year plan for that, if he has a 10 year plan, he plans to get it all out at once. We have no idea because all we're hearing is like people close to him saying, oh, he wants to make it like the MCU. But we have no idea of any of the details of that. Yeah, true. I mean, I know. Um... I don't know if you guys actually talked about it, but I think they um like you um, don't listen to the podcast. Uh, well, uh, <gasps> um, shock and horror. I'll get uh, round to it at some point. But I know um not that long ago they actually what was there like an announcement for like a new Doctor Who confidential or something? Was yeah. It well, I saw I saw this real? online. It's got like well I don't Doctor know. Unleashed, right? It was like like it was a BBC like, Three thing. Yeah, it was mm. that Doctor Who page that we talk about now and again. And yeah, they, the they one were, that has a lot of rumours. Yeah, and they were claiming there's a new behind-the-scenes thing coming to BBC Three called... I think they were, they were claiming it was called Doctor Who Unleashed. That was it, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, they, they had a number of things to say about it and a title and all this stuff. But as of that, I haven't seen anything else. There's no BBC statement about it. No, no, no there isn't. Yeah, and I feel like no, because something like that wouldn't go on BBC Three because my understanding is, that I don't. I mean, two of us here are film and TV students. One of us is an actor, and hands up who here has watched anything on BBC Three since it's returned. You can't see my hands. <clears throat> this is a voice chat. Where are they? Are they up or are they down? Well, they're down because. But uh, when you say BBC, BBC, since BBC Three has returned, you're talking about the TV channel. But honestly, it doesn't feel like anything has really changed in the content BBC Three has produced. It feels like the stuff that would have gone straight to iPlayer is now just kind of worked into a TV schedule. Yeah, but really, I feel like mm. I feel like if you put something like that on a on an iPlayer exclusive, that would be good. Yeah. And I feel like that's how most people would digest it anyway. Yeah, because I know, like, through Jody's yeah. area, they did, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff on YouTube. Mm. But it was all very... Like, I've recently watched a few Confidentials back when we've done this podcast, and they're really... They're, like, mini film schools they for are, TV. Well, they're half really, an hour long, aren't they? Yeah, they are, like, that long. And, like, all, all the clips online are, what, like, five... Minutes, yeah, with Jody, like, I, yeah, the ones with they're like five, and they're more like 
what's your favourite memory and stuff like that. Whereas the the confidential stuff's like, here's how we made the monster mask and here's what Bill Collinson has to say and here's what his job is. Mm. And I feel, I mean, even I wrote an essay about it at university about Doctor Who Confidential. I feel like, I feel like that's something that when they announce, I mean, it will come back. And when they announce it, like it's going to be back, I'm going to be very excited for that. Do you think it will be called Confidential again? I, I hope so. Yeah, I, like, I, hope I so. like that name. Yes, yeah, same. Yeah. A what? A podcast? What the hell is that? The Unleashed feels, it sounds a little too similar to stuff like Totally Doctor Who, which was like that CBC BBC thing they had before Sarah Jane. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't give quite the right vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And, you know, Marvel like has good. stuff like that, like... All the Marvel shows get a behind-the-scenes thing. And they're so really good. If, if, I mean, I've not watched any of them, but from what I can gather, they are. And yeah. I always join, you know, behind-the-scenes featurettes. Sometimes I enjoy them more than the thing itself. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> so, Harry, shall we move away yeah. from uh, Doctor Who stuff? Yeah, Harry, the, tar- the TARDIS is taking off. Wave goodbye, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that, that sure I'm was convinced. great. <laughs> the TARDIS was really there with us. Go on, Harry. Um, so, so uh, Warner Brothers. Well, they need to do something about the oh. Flash. Can we? Can we just? I just want to say before we go any further, two things. Number one. Uh, no, one thing actually, really, yeah, is I, I believe Ezra's. I mean, it might be in the uh, in the article, Harry, you might be able to clarify his pronouns. I believe are they and them. That's right, Ezra Miller's pronouns are they, them. That's right. All right, All right okay, no, I just wanted to double check before we went any further. Cheers, mate. Yeah, um, but basically, um, the short and curlies of it, um, are that for various reasons we don't really need to get into for the sake of what we're discussing. Ezra Miller is effectively on the run from the police in Hawaii, um, which uh, Warner Brothers is very worried about because they obviously have this uh, Flash movie starring Ezra Miller slated for release in June of 2023 in a year's time. Starring Ezra Miller twice. Yeah. He's playing two different versions of the Flash in this. Sorry, they are playing Wait, two are... different versions of the Flash in this. Really? Yeah. yeah. Do you not know that? No, I just knew that Ezra Miller was playing Barry Allen. Yeah, if you if you watch the trailer, they are in it twice as Barry Allen. One Barry Allen being the Barry Allen from the Zack Snyder stuff, and another Barry Allen from somewhere else. Yeah. We don't know. Like, a, okay, because I know that like Flashpoint deals with alternate universes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but the the, re- the reason I've sent this across is I think it's quite interesting to see how they're going to replace them. Like, yeah, well, it, the it's like, is, if, if that's even have... an option. Yeah, because the last I heard was that this film is quite far into production, and it could potentially be too late to recast. It's right. Basically, yeah, the option, but they, I think, it's not too late for them to do reshoots. So, from what I can gather, their options are either scrap the film, which I don't think they'll do because of the amount of money they've put into it. They um, do an intensive reshoot where they reshoot all of Ezra's stuff with a new actor, 
they just release the film with Ezra as the lead, um, but kind of diminish Ezra's presence in marketing and promo, maybe release some kind of statement depending on what the situation is with Ezra, in a Miller, Ezra Miller in a year's time, or four, they use some kind of deep fake or CGI replacement technology uh, in post to replace Ezra Miller with another actor. Yeah, I feel like I didn't realize how far off this movie was. Mm. And I honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's enough time to change things. Like they could do, you know, the Justice League film famously had very intensive reshots, which changed the nature of the whole film. Mm. It wouldn't be outside of possibility for them to do something similar and recast the lead actor. Yeah, because what I was going to suggest before I knew that was that they replace. Ezra, Zack Snyder did it with Army of the Dead. They did it with Kevin Spacey when all that stuff happened with yeah. him. Basically, just mm. repl- just add a, the, a, a green screen layer of another actor over them. So yeah. you would have Ezra's. You would have everybody acting against Ezra, but you would you would then remove them and just chroma key in mm. someone else. I think the opposite. Kind of like Back to the Future. Kind of like even. I don't um, think that they should have him in. I mean, them in. Them in, sorry. Um, But I honestly just think if I was Warner Bros, you know, film's wrapped, it's cost a lot of money to make. This film has had. A production hell, hasn't it? You know, it's had so many. Oh yeah, it's been like. I think, how long has this been like in production for? Yeah, yeah. I think they first um like twenty thirteen or something. This... this was announced before the TV series. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Like it came out at that time of the, yeah. like, the of the pilot. The announcement. Because I, re- I remember them announcing a the Flash movie, and I got excited, and then I heard they were turning it into a TV series, and I was like real bummed out about yeah. that. And then obviously the whole DCEU built, and they put a flash movie in there but i also read that this movie has credited 17 different writers oh my to it goodness that's because it's been i mean rewritten that many times and people have taken elements from different bits but i i yeah i i agree with harrison on one thing there is that and i was thinking about it earlier and i know we touched on it a minute with the stuff i'm doing at the moment Say if the production I'm on, say if there was something happened on there and they went, oh, we're not going to release this TV show, I feel that would be really insulting to all, all the crew, oh, yeah. even down to little roles such as location marshals like that, yeah, who spend a lot of time making sure everything works well, for then one person's messed up actions to mean your work is never seen. I think yeah. that sucks. So I feel like the film should go out there but they, they, they either just need to make a fucking statement and say something, yeah. or have a disclaimer, or or, re, yeah. or possible recast. But yeah, I, I don't think the film needs to be cancelled. Mm. Yeah, I think before I knew that they were going to del- that the film was coming out in a year's time, what I was assuming they would do is keep Ezra as Barry, but then obviously. It's been leaked that because this is a Flashpoint movie, it'll have huge changes to the whole DC universe. So just kind of end it with either Barry Allen sacrificed his life to make things right, or because of something, something Flashpoint, 
and that's changed what Barry Allen looks like. Grant they could have done either of those things. things. I'm kind of open hmm. for that, actually. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of demand just to have Grant Gustin, who's a flash on TV, just to take over that yeah. role. We'll have a cameo. Well, I know that obviously Ezra Miller appeared on Crisis on the Infinite Earth, mm, so yeah. it'd kind of be, you know, returning the favor, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, Harry, yeah. we have seven minutes left. Let's talk quickly about Joker 2 back in the house. Yes, Joker 2, the second joke. Um, this film is apparently going to be a musical, and Lady Gaga is in talks to join, uh, playing the role of Harley Quinn. This might seem like a really absurd out of nowhere thing. Um, if you know the wider context that the film's director and co-writer Todd Phillips directed A Star Is Born, no, produced A Star Is Born, then it starts to make a bit more sense. Yeah. Um, that link is there. A Star Is Born obviously being Academy Award nominated musical starring uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. So maybe Joker 2 is going to be something similar to that. I mean, I'll stop joking. Joker 2 is actually called Joker Foley the Dew. Yeah. Um, and or folly would do. I'm not sure. Do, do you know? Do you know what honest... I think's happening here? What I think that this will be Joker two. I don't think the movie's going to be a musical, but I feel that Lady Gaga's character will possibly. She could be something like a local jazz musician, you know, like a Jessica Rabbit sort of thing in Roger Rabbit. She's like. A sleazy bar sort of singer cabaret act who's been influenced by my my understanding of the character of Harley though is that she was Joker's either like psychologist or psychiatrist yeah. in Arkham Asylum and it was and she developed a relationship with the Joker through that. But I then, don't see why they couldn't stick to that. But then look at what Todd Phillips did with the first Joker. He turned everything on his head. Very true. He's not sticking. What to I'm expecting. What I'm thinking is um, the first Joker movie, there's a lot of bits where there's kind of hints or explicit references to the fact that um, uh, Arthur Fleck is an unreliable narrator. Like there's bits where it shows that he imagined a whole relationship with a woman and there's bits which are very kind of internal, which are borderline music numbers where, you know, he starts dancing um, and he's... To, uh, either on the steps or in a bathroom. Um, I, to me, in a way, having it then that um, the Joker's fantasies manifest as these out-and-out musical numbers seems almost like a natural evolution of what they were already doing in the first Joker film. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more, to be honest. I, I actually I actually think that this is a great idea because... Um, I was always hesitant of having a Joker 2 in the first place. Like, you know, mm. the uh, first one's awesome on its own. Why the hell are we creating another one? Oh, wait, you know, money, essentially. But, I mean, I think having it as a musical is the next kind of evolution, you know, because I don't really see where else they're really a- a- able to take the character after the events of the first film, because it's an open ending anyway. Stop motion, plasticine animation, Wallace and Gromit style. Oh wow, that's <laughs> Joker and the Tear of a Joke, of the, of the um, Mad Hatter. I don't know. Um, 
Uh, it's very interesting to see the social media response to the Joker sequel being musical, because it seems that everyone who really wanted a Joker sequel hates the idea of it being musical, and everyone who was sceptical or didn't want a sequel is suddenly 100% on board with it now that yeah, there is a musical. Harry, I couldn't, agree yeah. more. I couldn't agree more with you. We have three minutes and seven seconds, so... We're very quickly going to go around and do our recommendations of stuff that maybe we've watched, read, listened to, eaten, done, seen, or whatever this week. Um, I'll leave Harrison to last so he can have a, a Thank ponder. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I'll go first. Oh, shit. What the hell was I going to recommend? <laughs> I had something. Think, what was it? It was, oh, yeah, I've been watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think it's good. Oh, yeah. I think it started off a bit slow, but it's been good. I think it's one of the stronger of the Star Wars live-action stuff, and I'm enjoying it. It's the right amount of episodes. The episode levels are good. They're like half an hour. Uh, it's good fun. I'm one episode behind. I'm possibly going to watch that tonight. Harry, what have you been doing? Uh, let's talk about Obi-Wan more in depth next week because then the show will have finished. I've been watching it all. Um, this week, uh, I went to actually two cinema today. I intended to watch Top Gun Maverick, but people are still going to see that movie. I was going to see this to cinema with three people. We cannot find three seats next to each other. So instead I went to see Lightyear. You know what? It's pretty good. Cool. I plan good. on trying to see that next week, so we can talk about that next week as well. Nice. Woo! What about Harrison, you, Harrison? And I've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime. Wow. Um, it's incredible. Tim hears about it all the time. Could have, you know, it's up his alley, but he won't ever watch people, it. People I will tell you to watch it. People, co- people keep telling me to watch it, and that makes me not want to watch it. It is a bloody diabolical. Bad. No, it's an Easter egg to the show. Oh, right, it. okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Harry, do you want to see the video. show out? Do you want to say goodbye? Do all that jazz? We are on YouTube, Spotify, most of Spotify nowadays. We've got Instagram, Twitter, all run by our lovely friend Tim right here. Yum, yum. Uh, follow us on all of the things. <laughs> That's us. I said YouTube. Good. <laughs> That's all from us. Take it away, Matthew Beret. You've been listening to Bigger on the Inside. Subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. What does any of this even mean? Jane? I'm calling my agent. Jane, what in blazes is this?